0: I realise that what's been shared over the last couple of weeks and what I shared this morning can be quite draining and heavy, needed, but can be draining and heavy. And I trust that what I want to share tonight will balance everything that I've shared this morning and what you've been hearing about the changes and the detoxing that needs to take place when it comes to your soul. I want to speak about being supernaturally natural, being supernaturally natural. I want to pick up on some of the things I shared at Volunteers Night and then after this we're going to have a bit of time of just praising and worshipping God and just connecting with our Creator. So I want to pray right now. Father, I pray that you give us ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying, that you give us eyes to see, that we would have a deep desire and a deep hunger for the things of God such as never before. Father, I pray that you'd minister and speak to every person in this place, Christian and non-Christian, and everyone in between, we welcome you and ask you to do something deep in our lives. I ask that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you. You can open your eyes and look at me. Look at me. Fantastic. Acts chapter 1 verse 4 says this. On one occasion, while they were, uh, he was eating with them, he gave them this command. This is Jesus speaking. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water. Oh, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit and you will receive power. Who wants some power in their life? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and all the ends of the Earth. What a great promise. You know, the promise to all Christians is this that you would live a supernatural life. That's the promise to every Christian that we would live a supernatural life. You see, when you give your life to Christ, there's an exchange that takes place the natural for the supernatural. In other words, being a Christian gives us extraordinary advantages in life. It gives us a leg up. It gives us a head start. You've heard me share this before, but I could beat any sprinter on the face of the planet, including Usain Bolt in a 100 metre sprint. I say that confidently and I say that correctly. I could beat any sprinter, including the lightning bolt himself, The answer is found in, if you give me a big enough head start. Now, I don't stand a chance if I'm standing next to the guy. But if you give me 80 to 90 meters on him, (laughs) I reckon I can beat him. And I wouldn't even have to train for that. I could beat him. And that's what it is when we become a Christian. It gives us a head start. It gives us a leg up. I was dropping our kids off to school recently, and I said to the kids, I was talking to them as I often do as I was dropping them off, and I said, do you know that being a Christian gives you extra advantages in life? Do you know that as your father, the Holy Spirit is going to let me know things that you do today at school that he wants me to know about you? There's nothing that you can do that I will not find out about if God wants me to. That's my confidence I have in being your dad. You can hide some things from me. You can just disguise some things. But what God wants me to find out, I will find out. He is that committed to you. I'm like Clark Kent that has been turned into Superman. When we give our lives to Christ, we become superheroes. We go from being Clark Kent to Superman. And the church is like the phone booth where we come every week and get changed again and again and again. You've seen the movie where Superman goes into the phone booth and comes out different. That's church. Where we come and we get changed and we come out different. There's going to be a whole heap of superwomen after Sigwo Conference. I tell you, they're going to come into this place and it's going to be like a massive phone booth. And they're going to come out like Superwoman and Wonder Woman and all the other women, Hulk et and Catwoman, Batgirl, all those wonderful, wonderful people. I mean, this is kind of underpants on the outside of your trousers kind of stuff that I'm talking about. This is life changing stuff. This is what Jesus promised us. He promised that we'd be faster than a speeding bullet, stronger than a locomotive, able to leap buildings in a single bound. Look up in the air. It's not a bird. It's not a plane. It is clergyman. It is worship woman. This is the promise to us who believe. And while we may never physically fly, don't try it. But we can fly through our problems. Wouldn't that be good? To be able to fly through circumstances and fly through situations and fly through problems. Wouldn't that be great? While we may never be able to stop bullets physically, we will get people firing shots at us with their words and they can just bounce off. And they don't have to penetrate. They don't have to affect us and they don't have to influence us. And we don't have to sulk about it over and over and over again. This promise is that we might walk with a confidence, that we could walk with purpose, that we could walk with meaning, that we could walk with a bounce in our step, that we could walk in such a way and it's a different kind of walk to everyone else. What is it about you? See, Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses. And being his witnesses isn't necessarily boring people to death with preaching. It's just being different. And if you can walk with the balance in your step, and if you can be positive and have a great attitude, pretty soon you don't have to preach anything. People will be asking you, what is different about you? I've been watching you, and there's something different about you. It's the way you walk. It's the way you talk. It's something different. So oh, that's, that's, that's the promise. What promise? That's oh, the promise God said. This is the promise for every Christian that we would live a supernatural life. We walk with the bounce in our step, not just because we're feeling good, but because we have truth to walk on. The Bible says that if God is for us, who can be against us? Think about that for a minute. If you really believe that God is for you, then who can be against you? You're gonna walk with the bounce in your step. You're gonna walk with the confidence. If you really believe with all your heart that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, you're going to walk with a bounce in your step. You're going to walk with purpose. You're going to walk with meaning. You're going to walk with confidence. And even though things around you may be crashing around, you are able to stand because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. As a young man growing up, the very first scripture I learned was 1 John 4.4. 4. My dad used to point at my chest and says, greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. It's the first scripture I ever learned. And I believe it. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in me than anything anybody ever says. That's the promise to all of us who believe. And if you're not a Christian in this place and you know Christians that aren't living like this, I want to apologize to you because what you are seeing is not Christianity. Christianity is based upon a promise. Of what Jesus Christ did for us. And what Jesus Christ did for us changes our lives. We live a supernatural life. Who's excited about that? I love church. I love God. I love Christ. If this is true, why are there so many Christians that live so substandard? You have to ask yourself that question, don't you? Well, with this promise comes a condition. There's a condition attached to this promise. And the condition is simply this. That we need a total reliance and an utter dependence upon God himself, his Holy Spirit. You can't walk with confidence, you can't walk in this promise if you're going to ignore the gift that he gave. And the gift God gave is not a force, it's a person. It's the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit himself. And it's he who empowers, it's he who changes. It's he who makes the difference in our lives. When Jesus says, I want you to love your enemies, that's impossible and that's the point. God wants us to do the impossible, but he knows we can't do it. That's what makes it impossible. That's why we need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And when we have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, we're able to do what we couldn't do before. Clark Kent couldn't do things that he could do as Superman. And we can't do things that we can do with the aid and the help of the Holy Spirit. As a natural man, I can't love my enemies. But as a Christian full of the Holy Spirit, I can love my enemies. As a natural man, I can't get over my hurt. But as a Christian that's filled with the Holy Spirit, I can get over my hurt. I saw an article recently about all the hurt pastors. Maybe you know some. All the hurt pastors. This big old blog. And I read through it and got depressed. And I thought, how far have we strayed that God's leaders are living such low standard Christianity that in the name of loving God and helping people, we get so hurt. And then I think about all the Christians that are hurt. The Christians that are disgruntled. The Christians that haven't smiled for years. And think about all the pain. And the problem is this with hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. And so they're no longer witnessing and evangelising for Christ. They're evangelising on behalf of their hurt. And they're creating a theology now around their hurt and their pain. And they change what they believe to suit how they feel. And I believe that there are a lot of opinions out there that just need silencing. They just need silencing. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 8, we see Jesus was tempted by the devil in the desert after fasting for 40 days. And I love this story, I really do. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 8, it says, again, the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, you've got to get this, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. How did Jesus silence the enemy? With the word of God. But you get what he says. You've got to get this. You've got to catch this. I believe that the word of God has been inspired by the Holy Spirit. It was written by man, but inspired by the Holy Spirit. Every word. And Jesus didn't say, away from me, for it is written, serve the Lord and worship. He said, worship the Lord and serve him. People often debate, you know, you know should we be worshipping God? Should we be serving? It's, it's, it's always both. It's always a both and. We should be worshipping and serving, worshipping and serving. But it's got to be in that order. It's got to be in that order. If we put service first, it will lead to one thing, hurt and burnout. Because the only thing that enables us to serve him effectively And over a long period of time is our worship of Him. It's as we worship Him, we get inspired, we get perspective, we get strengthened, we get empowered. Then we have the energy to do what we could otherwise not do. That is the grace of God. It's a supernatural empowerment to do what we couldn't otherwise do. If we don't have that supernatural empowerment, we're going to burn out. We're going to get hurt. We're going to get upset. And maybe just maybe we'll keep going to church just to appease our conscience but we'll never be actively involved again. And if there's one thing we need more of today, it's workers, not shirkers. We need people who are actively involved in serving God, not just taking up a seat in church. We need people who are able through the strength of God to get over their hurt, to get through their hurt, to see things differently and to serve Him again. But that's only going to happen as we continue to keep our eyes on Him and worship God. Let me explain it this way. The only way you're going to truly stay married is if you stay in love with your partner. If you're a man, you've got to stay in love with your wife. If you're a woman here, you've got to stay in love with your husband. That's going to be the foundation for all the serving, the cleaning, the changing nappies, the ironing, the cleaning, the uh, cooking meals, the going to work. The house that you dream of, the dream house, that's not going to keep it together. The white picket fence and the dog and the nice lawn and the pool and all the things that you want. That's not going to keep your marriage together. What's going to keep it together is your love for one another. And just as you need love to keep a marriage together, to have effective Christianity, we need to stay in love with God. And we need to be filled with Him. Jesus was able to silence the enemy because he knew about putting first things first. That's what this is all about tonight. us putting first things first. Having said that, I want to look at one other scripture. It's found in Ephesians chapter five and verse 15. It says, "Be very careful then how you live. As Christians, we're going to be careful how we live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I love this portion of scripture. It says that we've got to be careful. We've got to give thought to our ways. It says, "Do not be drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit." It doesn't say just be filled. It says to be continue to be filled, to be being filled. We need to be filled today. We need to be filled tomorrow with the presence of God. Otherwise, we're going to burn out. Now, let me just say this when it comes to the Holy Spirit and supernatural things. I know in the name of God, there have been some excesses and some weird stuff that have happened. And that there's been emphasis on the paranormal and the super spiritual. And there's been emphasis on the manifestations of God. This may be news to you, it may not. But uh, in church circles, certain church circles, there's all talk about angelic visitation and gold dust and feathers coming down and, and people getting touched by the Spirit of God and falling under the power of God. And uh, maybe you've seen the TV evangelist pushing people over and uh, people just writhing around on the floor and laughing and rolling and all that. And there is a place for that and, and, and God can and does do some of that stuff. Some of it's man-made, some of it is supernatural. But here's my point. I believe in order to live a supernatural life, we need to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit and that is not a license to be weird. That is not a license to be weird. I realize some of you have been put off by that and I'm losing you already. Bear with me. Stay with me. The answer to uh, abuse is not no use, but it's correct use. If you've been in meetings where there's been abuse of spiritual things, the answer is not to ignore it, to throw the baby up with the bathwater. It's to delve into the Word of God and find out the correct use. Are you following me tonight? So the Holy Spirit, I believe, is more comfortable with the natural and the normal than some super spiritual people that I know. If he wasn't comfortable with the natural and the normal, he wouldn't give us gifts, he would let angels do everything. But the Holy Spirit wants to empower us with the gifts of God in natural ways. I don't have time, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there's nine gifts of the Spirit. And some might argue where are the gifts in the church today? And I believe if you've got an ear to hear, you could come to this conclusion that they're everywhere. But the reason some people don't recognize them is because they're not supernatural, but they're superstitious. And I want to say to all the superstitious ones away, in the name of God, put your rabbit's foot away. We can be just as superstitious as people who aren't Christians. Jesus was forever addressing the superstition in the religious people of his day. Superstition is based upon the way we've always done it. And Jesus came and just messed with the way they'd always done things. Because God is a God of new things. He wants to do new things. And Paul was very aware that God wants to do new things. And so when he was under the influence of the Holy Spirit, his language changed to that of the Old Testament prophet. The Old Testament prophet would use language like, Thus saith the Lord. But Paul, being more contemporary, and can I just say this the Holy Spirit does not need contemporizing, and nor does his word. But we need to get with God's program. We need to change. We need to be contemporary. And so Paul says, You know, it seems right to me, and it seems right to the Holy Spirit. And he operated out of that, which was a different approach. It didn't mean that the Old Testament prophet was wrong. It just meant that Paul was flowing in the new things that God was doing. And I believe if you've got an ear to hear, there are many gifts of the Spirit in operation. You know, when I preach week after week after week, I always get this feedback. Man, it was like you were listening to a conversation I had last night. Now, unless I was actually listening to a conversation, where do you think I got the information from? God leads me as I speak. I know says when he preaches, he gets the same feedback. I know when Pete preaches and others, they get the same feedback. Well, who do you think is leading these men to share these things for you to say, it's like you were listening to me. That's the gifts of the Holy Spirit at work through his people. But you've got to have ears to hear. Because the gifts of the Holy Spirit is not reduced to old English language. It's not reduced to just coming down the front and falling over. The Holy Spirit is... Very comfortable with the natural and the normal. And I think we should be too. I believe that one of the reasons for me sharing this as I did at the volunteers night, I felt God say to me to give him more credit for what it is that I do personally and what we have achieved as a church. Because we've tried to be contemporary and because we've tried to be relevant, I think some people have reduced all that we do to lights and smoke machines. But there's so much more at stake and there's so much more at play. And I want you to know, as I'm praying for people, God will often give me a word for somebody. But instead of just rolling up to someone and and just acting like the man of the hour with the power I find it much more beneficial just to ask questions. Now, what you need to understand is those questions are Holy Spirit inspired. So if I'm sensing, for example, that there's a problem in someone's marriage because the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, there's there's a problem in their marriage. I could go up and say, hey, yay, verily says the Lord, I feel like God has given me a picture and a word. And what that is going to do is either set me up for a massive fail because I'm wrong or set me up for a massive fail because I'm right. Either way, I will lose through that approach. Because if I'm wrong, people won't take me seriously. And if I'm right, people will look to me and they won't look to God. I felt God say this, that His gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, are not for you. They are for others. So if I have a word for someone about their marriage, that gift is not for me, it's for them. The gift is not for me and the glory is not for me. And so I find it far more beneficial to ask questions and say, hey, uh, how are you going? And that gentle approach, which is being nudged by God can open up some incredible opportunities and has and always will for me and I believe will for you if we would just put away our superstitious approaches. Some people don't recognize what God is doing because they only think God moves a certain way and they miss the point. And we've got to get more sensitive to what what it is that God wants to do in our lives. I want to just, in closing, before we have a time of just just enjoying God, it's probably the best way I want to describe it, is look at some of the evidence of being full of the Holy Spirit based upon what we've read in Ephesians chapter 5. Because some people get the whole thing around their neck. I, I do believe in speaking in tongues, I do. But when I look at this portion of Scripture here, the evidence of a life that is full of God is seen in three simple little things. And the first thing is this that you would be joyful. When you're full of God, you're going to be full of joy. You'll be joyful. Yeah. That's what it says. It says when you come together, you sing and you have psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. This is what I know about happy people they sing. Have you noticed that? Happy people sing. You know, recently we had Chris Veenan stay with us with his wife, Meryl. And, and we, we find this every time we have people staying at home. They always say, you guys are always singing. Now, what you need to understand, at least about Kath and I, maybe our kids have been a bit more blessed than us, but we can't sing well, but we do always sing. And, and I believe, you know, if we could just sing and, 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 and uh, just, uh, just enjoy life, there's a good chance that God's at work in our life. If we become all bitter and all negative, there's a good chance that we've just leaked and, and we have no God in us. We're just empty, we're depleted, and we need to be filled again with a fresh dose of joy. I love this little story because one of our greatest singers in our family is Mitch. He's always singing. I mean, Kath and I always sing, but he's always singing. And uh, it's quite funny last year um, the the teacher put him in charge of the music. He was the music monitor for the year because you know you, know, if you can't stop him, you may as well just you know encourage it but i 'll never forget in a certain year that he was at school, he had a certain teacher who just i, I don 't know for whatever reason just didn't kind of enjoy having Mitch in the class seemingly because I've never had a teacher call me into the office as much as that particular teacher did on that particular year and uh, it wasn't it was quite embarrassing but what was more embarrassing is the the issues that this person had about our son Mitchell she would say he's always singing as I say so so you've called me in and given him detention and have a concern because my son is singing I said, it's not, just, it's not just that he's singing, it's what he sings. Yeah. Yeah. I said, well, what's he been singing? And she said this, she said, well, one song in particular was Mustang Sally. <laughs> and it's amazing, I'll be honest with you, from that moment, I could not get that tune out of my head. <laughs> she was talking, I, I never heard another word. I am like, Mustang Sally. <laughs> See you later, better slow the Mustang down. I said to Mitch, come with me. Let's go buy an ice cream. Let's celebrate. I would much rather have my kids singing than complaining and being miserable and bitter and not wanting to go to church and not trusting anyone and not liking anyone and not liking anything. The Bible says, "Be filled with the Holy Spirit, sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. It's a sign, it's an evidence that you're filled with God. Secondly, evidence that you've been filled with God and filled with the Holy Spirit is to be thankful. To be full of God is to be full of thanks. It says in verse 20, "Always give thanks to God. Get this for everything. For everything. Can you, can you thank God in situations when you don't seem to have anything to thank Him for? Well, when you're full of God, you will. See, see these, these, these evidences are, are, are an opportunity for us to examine where we're at. When's the last time you were joyful? When's the last time you laughed? When's the last time you sang? There's one thing I love about kids. I look at Bailey. She's six years of age. And, and there's not a day in her life goes by without her laughing her head off about something. I love that. You know, as we get older, we get more responsibility and we forget to smile, we forget to laugh. But these kids, without their responsibility, they just laugh and they enjoy life and it's a lesson to us. So where's your joy gone? Where's your gratitude gone? I mean, if nothing else, aren't you grateful that we live in Australia? I mean, if you're married, you should be grateful that you're married. If you're not married, you should be grateful you're not married. If you've got kids, you should be grateful for your kids. If you don't have kids, you should be grateful. Just be grateful. Thank you, Lord, that I have kids. Thank you, Lord, that I don't have kids. Thank you, Lord, that I'm married. Thank God I'm not married. But this is what we get too much in church. The ones who are single, I wish I was married. The ones who are married, I wish I wasn't married. It's not a sign that you're filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not a sign that you've been with God, and worshipping Him. And the third evidence is simply this, to be faithful. Full of faith. In verse 21 it says, Submit to one another. Isn't it amazing? That one of the evidences of being filled with the Holy Spirit is that you can actually submit to others. One of my biggest concerns about this thought that you can be a Christian and not go to church comes from this thought. Can we really be filled with God? Filled to overflowing and then no longer submit to others? Is that really possible? Not according to Ephesians 5, it's not. One of the reasons, one of the evidences that we're full of God is that we would entrust ourselves, not just to God, but we'll entrust ourselves to others. But when we say, I don't want to go to church, you don't have to be a Christian to go to church. I think you're on a downward slope. I think there's something that's missing when we start thinking like that. I love the church. It's frustrating, yes, because you're here. And it's wonderful, yes, because you're here. It's frustratingly wonderful. That's true of my family. It's true of my marriage. And what makes this place wonderfully frustrating is because I'm here. But I believe... If we could just get our attention and our focus off ourselves and begin just to focus on God.